Welcome to NREI's Common Area Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning editorial staff at NREIOnline.com. Let's jump right into this week's podcast. Hello and welcome to The Common Area with your host, David Bodemer. Today, I get to actually sit with the audience members and uh, listen because David has brought a guest onto the show. He's in studio, and that is Adam Schwartz. Adam Schwartz of Walker Dunlop, to be specific. Adam is the Senior Managing Director and joined Walker and Dunlop in January of 2020 as part of the AKS Capital Partners acquisition. Adam is responsible for sourcing and structuring debt and equity financing for all commercial real estate asset classes throughout the country. Adam also serves as co-head of the New York Capital Markets Practice. Gentlemen, good afternoon. I'm so excited to be sitting here and learning from the masters. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. How are you? How are you this week, man? I am doing great, David. Uh, Adam, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you having me. Thanks, guys. Heck yeah, that's well, it's David's decision. It's not mine, but I'm going to trust him in this. <laughs> thank you, David. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> and so, David, now I got to ask the question: Why did you bring Adam on the show? I wanted to get Adam in here because of this recent deal that you know Walker and Dunlap buying AKS. I was hoping to just kind of get a feel for how that deal came together. And my understanding was that, you know, AKS had broken off from um, JLL and then now it's going in Walker. So just like, it seems like a very active little stretch for, for your group. It seems pretty exciting. And, and it seems to mean big things for Walker and Dunlap in New York, because I think historically it's not been a market that um, has had a huge presence. And so that's, just wanted to kind of get a feel for all that. Right. It's actually funny. I think if you would have told me once we started AKS, which we started in, in August of 2019, one, we never even planned on selling. And two, if you told me I would end up at Walker and Dunlop, I wouldn't believe you guys. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I worked at JLL for three years mm-hmm. with my partners who worked for at JLL, I believe, for five years, which is Aaron Appel, my brother, John Schwartz, and Keith Carlin. As you guys are know, JLL bought HFF. Right. And for a myriad of reasons, I think, you know, John, Keith, Aaron, and myself thought it was the right time for us to go on our own. So we started the business in early August, probably six weeks thereafter, you know, we had a couple calls from some other people. We said, we're not interested. Got this call somehow through Walker and Dunlop. I don't know how much I can tell you about how we got that call. But, um, (laughs) you know, basically we started discussions and then we ultimately came to a deal. And now uh, I'm working at Walker and Dunlop here in uh, New York. That's kind of how it went about. And um, we started with four people, just Mm -hmm. the four partners, and we got all the way up to 15 people. And now we're about 16. And we probably will add some more people now that we're on the uh, Walker and Dunlop umbrella. So this group that you talked about, this group that you've, you know, your brother and these other pros, is there a kind of a sweet spot for the kind of deals that you've done in the past or what kind of defines you guys? Right. So I think, you know, the really unique thing about uh, us is that, you know, 80% of our business was in New York and the rest we, you know, follow clients around the country. But I would say 90 to 95% of our business was private owners. Mm-hmm. So when you're working at a big company like JLL, a lot of people are, you know, doing a lot of business with the sales team, a lot of business with the leasing team. We were primarily doing our business with just our core clients. And we were actually able to make that move and start AKS, which I think is, you know, a testament to the four of us as, Mm -hmm. you know, depending on what type of group you're in, sometimes, you know, you work together, there's a lot of synergies. Now we did business with the sales guys. We did business with the leasing guys. I wish we did more, Mm -hmm. but I think, you know, as again, a testament to us four is we have our own book of business and our own clients. So when we started AKS Capital Partners, I think maybe we lost 5% of our business. Oh, wow. And that's probably more of customer business versus client business. Right. 
I think we were very lucky in that sense where I don't know how many other groups would have been able to just go on their own and start that business. And so then so you said this was then kind of unexpected right. for this to very quickly now turn into right. being part of the Walker and Dunlap family. So why does that make sense? Right. So the funny thing is in the first part, every time we see people now, they're like, oh, you guys knew this from day one. You knew I was like, <laughs> yeah. no, I, we really had no idea we were even planning on doing this. One of the things that we were really attracted to Walker and Dunlap was their agency business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're number one in Fannie. Right. They have a Freddie license to HUD. You know, they're extremely well-respected in that space. And then also a tremendous amount of their business is just servicing that agency business. Mm-hmm. And we have a bunch of other clients that we do business with that we weren't getting their agency business and we're doing their commercial business. But on the agency side, they were using Walker and Dunlop mm-hmm. for one of their competitors. So we said to ourselves, wow, there's, there's a gap where we can start getting more business from some of their clients that they can't service, right? So now you have a guy that does a lot of business with a client that does multifamily business is only doing their permanent loan business mm-hmm. and they do construction or they do bridge loans and stuff that, you know, those guys may have not been as keen to try and uh, call one of their clients and say, Hey, I have these guys in New York. They do this type of business. So we think we can extract some business on that front. One, two, we also feel we can do a lot more agency business because of Walker and Dunham's platform, right? They are extremely well-respected in the market. They do a ton of business they know that product inside and out better than the four of us know it. So mm-hmm. we think, you know, that twofold can help us do a lot more business. And lastly, in New York, they don't really have that much of a presence because right. historically New right. York is really a bank market. You know, if you know a lot of these buildings, these, you know, Absolutely. call it 20 to $80 million deals, even, you know, $100 million deals are usually not going agency. They're going to the community banks. They're either life companies but really not a tremendous amount of agency business being done in the city. Yeah. And also, you know, not to get too granular with the rent stabilization laws changing, we are seeing a lot mm-hmm. of, you know, the, the banks have pulled back and now, you know, we're doing a lot of business that we used to do with banks. We're doing with the CMBS market and we might go agency now. So, right. You just got to kind of understand what's going on in the market and, you know, follow the trends or find the trends before they get there, so to speak. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it was, I mean, it, that's a, it definitely caught my eye when the deal went down for that reason, just because I've always considered Walker and Dunlop has this great book of business, but, you know, they're just sort of seen as right. you know, never just like as necessarily being here. So this is just like a, seems like a really exciting yeah. time for everything. Right. I think New York is probably what it's, I'd say the number one market in the country sure. and obviously one of the biggest in the world. So now you're taking a group that, you know, historically has been one of the top groups in New York. And now you add that to your platform. I think, you know, that was what I really probably outside of just the book of business that we have, I think that's probably, I can't speak for them. That's probably what I think mm-hmm. they were thinking why they were interested in uh, acquiring us. So now looking to the market, you, you, th- th- you kind of touched on something that I, that I was curious about. We've got a couple of things happening now. I mean, one thing, like you said, in New York City, but it's also happening elsewhere, the question of rent regulation, how that's going to affect multifamily lending. We could talk about that a little bit more. Also just curious in general, like what you think, you know, how the next six to 12 months look overall for financing. And if there's, I don't know if this coronavirus thing is kind of shaking things right. up a bit or making people slow down at all, if, or if it's more just a lot of talk right now. I mean, what's happening, you know, kind of day to day in the deal making and the conversations that you're having with folks in the market? Right. So I would say, you know, the, the debt markets are as active as they've ever been. Our group's probably busier this year in the first quarter than we were the last three years. And okay. I never would have thought that, but I, I continue to, to be wrong. And we're, you know, we're doing more and more business every year. As to the coronavirus, I would say that it only really is affecting, you know, Wall Street paper right now. And, okay. you know, so that's a different kind of product that wouldn't really affect the community bank deals. But, you know, this week, I'm sure some of uh, the guys at the big Wall Street banks are uh, 
having trouble pricing deals and understanding the market. But as a whole, you know, the markets are really healthy. The debt markets are on fire. And, you know, outside of really uh, condo deals, we haven't really seen a, a pullback at all in the market, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. And then on the multifamily front here in the city, I would say just from, you know, with the new rent stabilization laws, probably just the community backs, community banks pulling back a little bit and, you know, some different types of lenders, you know, again, life codes and wall street banks are getting more active into that space because of the way the community banks have pulled back. Good time to borrow money right now. Obviously rates are extremely cheap. I guess it's a good time to be in our business. And with the, with those kind of rent control things, is that a bigger risk for existing loans? It seems like the, the the issue could be if you underwrote underwrote a deal to certain rent assumptions or certain operating, you know, and now that's that's been thrown into flux. But then for underwriting new deals, is it can you not just price that in? Right. So I think you know it it's twofold. It's you know we did a deal a year and a half ago in the East Village. Client bought a building, you know, reconfigure some units, get some rent stabilized tenants out, and pop rents. Now you're not able to do that, right? So on the exit strategy for lenders, they're they're not underwriting that rent growth anymore, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a completely different type of uh, business. And also on the refinance for community bank loan, the rents haven't gone up mm -hmm. and now they're not going to go up. So now, you know, trying to sell that upside is there is no upside anymore mm -hmm. in the near future, right? With the way the laws are. So I think that's definitely affected the value add opportunities on the multifamily front where there's a stabilization component to the deals. And also for how the banks are looking at deals. And then also on the sales market, right? If you're an investment sales broker here in the city, you know, I remember how many deals our client called us. You know, I bought a building, it's 70% free market, 30%, you know, affordable. I'm gonna be able to buy that long term, get some of the, you know, stabilized tenants out and pop rents. That mm -hmm. whole business plan is gone. Gone, yeah. That part of the market has evaporated, you know, right now. So interested to see what happens in the near future and also long term, but you know, that's where we've seen the most impact. Right. But then outside the multifamily space, you know, looking at other property types for, you know, there's not that kind of uh, no. thing that we're dealing with. No, I mean, listen, there's probably, you know, some people that might want to sell a building for a certain price and they're not getting that price, but, you know, lucky for us, you know, that's where they usually go to refinance the deal. Right. So that's what we're probably seeing an uptick in refinance. We're doing a lot more refinances than acquisitions here in the city for sure. Going back to this, you know, group, I'm very interested in this, you know, that you've been working with your brother and these other Kind of curious just how that came together, what, what, what that's like, and what is it about just having this kind of like core that, that, that you guys like so much? Right. So it's, it's actually funny. Um, Aaron, Keith, and John have been working together probably for almost 10 years now, I want to say, and I've been working with the three of them for five. Okay. I was actually, before I joined JLL, where my brother Keith and Aaron were, I was actually at Cooper Horowitz. Okay. I went from Cooper Horowitz to JLL and then, you know, the first couple of months there, we weren't partners, so to speak, yet. And then we joined this partnership. And then it's really been great. And I would say, you know, just the transparency, right? You know, when, you know, we sit down every week, we go over the pipeline, we say, who's working on this kind of deal? Oh, I have this deal. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a deal, you know, I have a meeting, you know, tomorrow about it and an interesting deal. So, you know, I'll pick their brain. Keith is working on a certain kind of deal right now that fits that framework. You know, having that transparency and having those guys in the room to just bounce off ideas just makes everybody else so much more efficient and smarter in the room, right? In our business, you know, you're dealing with a lot of very, very smart and intelligent people and, and you have to be able to create value, right? So when you're in these meetings or you're trying to pitch business, you have to be able to gain an edge or be able to add value for the prospective client that's in the room. And I'm a very firm believer in more people in the room, 
creates way more value, right? Me being in a meeting by myself, not, you know, having transparency of all the other deals that, you know, my partners are working on, mm-hmm. I think I'd be a third as efficient or third as effective. And I think that, you know, they would agree with me on that front as well. So, you know, I think that our business collectively together has probably all grown, probably 15 to 20% by us all working together, okay. right? You know, there's certain accounts, obviously, that I control or John has a great relationship with this certain guy or Keith or Aaron. But, you know, collectively as a whole, we really make a very big and keen effort to be fully transparent with each other, know all the meetings that are coming up, all the deals we were working on. So, you know, it helps our clients, one, and two, it helps us get new business. So it's it's basically like all four of you out there, like working with your clients, finding some new deals and then coming back together just like daily. I mean, how, like, how does that kind of ebb and flow work? Is it, and you guys sure you're doing probably a lot of running around meeting with people doing that kind of stuff all the time. Right. There's a lot of running around and there's a lot of times, you know, we're in the office, we're just bouncing ideas off each other. I say, I know that, you know, Aaron's working on a certain deal on the Upper East Side. I'm like, Oh, Hey, where's that deal pricing? Mm -hmm. Oh, you're doing a condo deal. What are they underwriting for condos afoot there? Right. So just little things like that. You never know because you could have a dinner that night and then you're, you're speaking with somebody and he's doing a very similar type deal. So, you know, it just, it just makes everybody smarter. Mm-hmm. And it's actually just at this point, it's just a natural flow. Right. Right. I'd say our office is never quiet. At, <laughs> is that at no good point. or bad? <laughs> uh, you'd have to ask some of the other guys in the office. I think, uh, I think it's good. Yeah. But um, there's definitely, uh, and I would say 70% of that is work and 30% of that is uh, having fun, yeah. which I think is very important as well. So do you, uh, do you live in the city? I do. I live in Greenwich Village. Oh, nice. How long have you lived in the city? I've lived in the city for 10 years now. Yeah. Do you go to Dante? <laughs> you no. You, you know where I go a lot is uh, this place called B&H. It's a, it's a diner on... Uh, I know that place, yeah. I go to Abrasso and B&H. Okay. That's okay. my morning ritual. Nice. <laughs> I like that place. Well, I you know before I lived in Greenwich Village, I lived in the East Village, uh... I loved living down there. I miss that area. Yeah, so. I lived in East Village for about seven years. Oh, where so, Most of it on East 11th Street, but I did spend a year in St. Mark's. There you go. <laughs> I lived on 7th between A and B. Okay, nice. nice. Which was, uh, <laughs> and I have to wear a suit every day to work, which yeah. is very interesting because... Uh, that's not the East Village. <laughs> that's not the East Village, no. But uh, Do you ever get to do, do, do deals back there in the East Village? Is that yeah, it's, it's funny. The first deal I ever did in New York was a walk-up apartment on 9th Street between B and C. Okay. I used to walk by there uh, and be like, oh, that's the first deal I ever did. But I had not uh, should actually go by that building actually and see what's going on right now. Yeah, I think they, they're, they're used to, I don't know, at one point there was like this really cr- like crazy dive bar on 9 and like 9C, I think it was what it was called. Uh, it's not there anymore. I went to a lot of dive bars in yeah. East Village. Wow. Um, there's uh, not as many Niagara. of them anymore. No, <laughs> there, was a, there was actually a really cool speakeasy in between Niagara and my apartment that uh-huh. uh, I think it was called Lovers No More. Huh. I don't know that That people one. went to. But um. I know Niagara. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good spot. But uh, we're getting very in the New York brass tacks here. But that's um, <laughs> <laughs> what happens. But you've gotten to do a deal, a deal back there, and it's, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, listen, I I love that area. Uh, I loved living there. A lot of my friends lived there when I was living there. So uh, being in your mid twenties, living in the East Village with a bunch of friends is uh, can't go wrong, really. Yeah. But um, and yeah, and then on the business front, we've done a lot of business on there. We did the uh, Steiner East Village project. Mm-hmm. We did the Avenue A project for Magnum. We've done a lot of business down there and, you know, seeing the uh, neighborhood grow. Yeah. That's, I mean, that does seem pretty wild to be able to kind of come to New York, be starting out living in the neighborhood and now be a part of actually 
part yeah, of its evolution. It's actually really cool when you're, you know, you're working on a deal and you, you know, I forget what was there um, before the Steiner project. And you're like, oh, wow, I know it's going to be there in, you know, 18 months. And you're, mm -hmm. you're talking to your friends that are not real. So you're like, oh, that's actually going to be a condo building or there's going to put an office building there. And uh, so it's just interesting to see how the city transforms and just knowing that, you know, that's going to change the area. Yeah. So uh, it's cool. Yeah, very cool. All right. Well, thank you. I want to thank you so much for uh, coming in, taking some time. This sounds like a very sounds like it's been a very busy but exciting time for you and this group, and and it seems like big things ahead. Uh, thanks for having having me. I hope so. Good things ahead only. All right. Thanks, David. Thanks, guys. This was fantastic. I will tell you, I've never been to New York, but David has told me I need to visit. I'm I'm trying to figure out where the heck you guys are talking about. I've heard of East Village. Now, East now Village. you know to go to the East Village. Now yeah. I know to go to East Village, and you gave me some really good ideas on some dive bars. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Some of them are gone, unfortunately. Niagara is still there. Well, see, then I can do some investigative reporting for you and just sample a lot from those different establishments that are still there. I have no problem doing that, David. I uh, Just sign me up. All right, Adam, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. And it was great podcast, great information. And I uh, look forward to hearing what the results of this podcast are as far as how the audience perceives it and what they learn, because uh, that's what we're trying to do here. And I know that it's David's heart to uh, educate the masses. So again, thanks for being here. And David, thank you so much for bringing him in. All right. Thank you. Thank you. You bet. And thank you, audience, for listening to the Common Area Podcast with David Bodemer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when David comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your colleagues. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at NREI, this is Eric Johnson inviting you back in two weeks for all the stories that matter to you. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Common Area Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of NREI or Informa. The content has been made available for information and educational purposes only.